Breaking news. The Brooklyn Nets have suspended Kyrie Irving five games without pay for not disavowing anti-Semitism. Even though Kyrie Irving maintains he is not anti-Semitic. Question. Do you believe that Kyrie Irving deserves this punishment, even though he maintains that he is not anti-Semitic? Meaning he's not, he does not hate Jews. We're posting that. Some things that were questionable in there, untrue. Like I said, in the first time you guys asked me when I was sitting on that stage, I don't believe everything that everybody posts. It's a documentary. So, I take my responsibility. It seems like Adam Silver wanted to hear the word, I apologize, or in your mind, you said I didn't mean to cause any harm. Were you apologizing or not apologizing? I didn't mean to cause any harm. I'm not the one that made the documentary. I think uh, some of the criticism of the Jewish faith in the community, for sure. Some points made in there that were uh, unfortunate. Kyrie, are you surprised that you did hurt people? Uh, surprised that I did hurt people? Are you surprised that reaction, some of the things that you did, hurt people? Yeah, I, I think I can ask a better question. It's just, where were you when I was uh, a kid? figuring out that uh, 300 million of my ancestors are buried in America. That was Kyrie Irving early today at the press conference. Kyrie Irving is in the news again, but this time, it's not about vaccinations against COVID. He is being accused by the Jewish community as promoting anti-Semitism stemming from a video he published on his personal social media page containing an external and an independent film, which seems to suggest anti-Semitism. Kyrie Irving issued an apology and met with the press today for a press conference to explain his actions and whether he was anti-Semitic. However, Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, did not accept the apology, calling it unqualified. Nevertheless, Kyrie Irving was defiant 
and would only say that he was at fault for posting a documentary film which contained some falsehood and that he was not anti-Semitic but that he and his people have been mistreated and told that they were nothing. Yet, society was not offered or has not offered any worthy or credible apology though through their de jour and de facto racism that is present even today. Let me say that again. Yet, for him, society has not offered any worthy apology. He has to apologize. Yet, his people has been mistreated, have been mistreated for years and discriminated against. Okay? And told that they were nothing. Yet, society has not offered any worthy apology. And continue, and continue their de jour and de facto racism that is present even to today. Even today. Harry, are you surprised that you did hurt people? Um, surprised that I did hurt people? Are you surprised that reaction and some of the things that you did hurt people? Yeah, I, I think I can ask a better question. It's just, where were you when I was uh, a kid figuring out that uh, 300 million of my ancestors are buried in America? Where were you guys asking those same questions when I was a kid dealing with learning about the traumatic events of my familial history and what I'm proud to come from and why I'm proud to stand here and why when I repeat myself that I'm not going to stand down, it has nothing to do with dismissing any other race or group of people. I'm just proud of my heritage and what we've been through. And uh, the fact that this has pinned me against the Jewish community. And uh, I'm here answering questions of whether or not I'm sorry or not on something I didn't create. And it was something I shared. And I'm telling everybody I'm taking responsibility. Then that's where I sit. So, you know, these same questions that you guys ask, me dealing with it as being a melanated, pigmented person all around the world and dealing with racial biases against my skin color, demeaning me because of my religious beliefs. And I'm still sitting in the seat standing. So uh, I take my full responsibility. Again, I'll repeat it for posting something on my Instagram or Twitter that may have had some unfortunate falsehoods in it. But I also am a human being that's 30 years old and I've been growing up in a country that's told me that I wasn't worth anything and I came from a slave class and I come from a people that are meant to be treated the way we get treated every day. So I'm not here to compare anyone's atrocities or tragic events that their families have dealt with generations of time. I'm just here to continue to expose things that our world continues to put in darkness. I'm a light, I'm a beacon of light. That's what I'm here to do. You guys ask me questions about basketball, I give you my expert opinion. You guys ask me about other things, I give you my opinion, and it's met with whatever you believe the perception or the deception is. You guys investigate my life every day, and you justify it by serving your own purpose, which I honor. I would like the same respect in return, figuring out just like anyone else. So please keep that same energy when we're talking about anti-other things. 
because just because I post a documentary doesn't mean I'm anti-Semitic and doesn't mean that I'm automatically standing with everyone that is believing in that. So it's unfortunate timing that we're in, but I'm glad that I could stand on the truth because I'm not afraid of these mics, these cameras. I used to be looking everyone in the eye and telling them the truth that I'm proud of who I am. Any label that you put on me, I'm able to dismiss because I study. I know the Oxford Dictionary, you look it up, right? Just one of the biggest mistakes I had in being a kid was not knowing European or Western language until I started looking it up and understanding the definitions and why they say, if you want to trick a black person, put it in a book. I was wondering my whole life why they said that. Now I'm 30 years old and I know reading is a superpower because it helps me understand where I'm going and where I come from. Like a tree with roots. I read the, the documentary listed among the falsehoods and the Holocaust Again, those falsehoods are unfortunate. And it's not that I don't believe in the Holocaust. I never said that. Never, ever have said it. It's not come out of my mouth. I never tweeted it. I never liked anything like it. So the Holocaust in itself is an event that means something to a large group of people that suffered something that could have been avoided. No one said we had to practice racism. No one said we had to treat each other like garbage. No one said that I had to stand here today and understand that many people that come from generations 60 years ago, 40 years ago, enslaved some of my ancestors still spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, and it's still going on. You guys are asking me respectfully to speak on something that was a documentary that I had nothing to do with. I didn't make it. So just please keep that same energy when you guys are addressing it. Kyrie, for the record, do you have any anti-Semitic beliefs? Again, I'm going to repeat. I don't know how the label becomes justified because you guys ask me the same questions over and over again. But this is not going to turn into a, a spin around cycle of questions upon questions. I told you guys how I felt. I respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. I think we're going to be yes or no on that question. Yes or no. I, I cannot be anti Semitic if I know where I come from. I cannot be anti Semitic if I know where I come from. Kyrie, did you personally meet with the ADL? I was informed that they wanted to have a meeting, and we handled it. Kyrie, thank you guys. We're done here. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. That was Kyrie Irving earlier today speaking to the press about the accusation of him being anti-Semitic and trying to coax an apology that was worthwhile out of him, but he was defiant. He said he was not. Well, I mean, he never said he wasn't apologizing for about anything. I mean, what Kyrie Irving is saying is that I don't think I should apologize for posting something on my personal Twitter page or social media page that contained information that... I am not the author of. You know, um, there are other people who are nasty to other people and do worse things, but they're not held accountable in the ways that people like Kanye West and 
Kyrie Irving I'd be and so they are in a sense it has become it's the situation seems to be moving away from anti-semitism in a uh, if you look at it and more around their individualism their ability to their 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 free spe- their freedom to speak in the way that they want to speak just as how other people are allowed to speak in the way they can speak Now the reporters the reporters pressed him for an apology asking him repeatedly whether or not he was sorry for causing hurt to the Jewish community. However, he would not acquiesce or budge and pointed out that just because he posted the video doesn't mean that he is anti-semitic. The video he posted suggested that black peoples were the real jewish people whose identity was stolen from them by white people the documentary film also asserted that some white people took over the name jewish and stole the original jews or jewish the, the original jews name or the original jewish name from black people however however this idea is not new because if you read Karl Marx and I'm ta- and I'm not talking about as it relates to the Jews st- stealing other people's identity I'm talking about in relation to the issue of theft okay one group of we talk about class and if you read uh, people such as um my I, I interviewed my my former professor of mine and my one of my mentors professor emeritus Martin Oppenheimer and who's one of my advisors academic advisor and a mentor of mine and and um and we talk, and if you read the writing that talks about class and how classes replace each class when one class wins the day another class t- then another class takes over and they continue the depression whoever whatever class it is that's why i don't think in class okay but but karl marx karl marx but this is a very important point i'm about to make whatever however this idea is not new because if you read Karl Marx Karl Marx's books book Das Kapital Das Kapital D A S K A P I T A L he referred to how classes and people through violence accumulate capital and how is this done he said by going on the land of another group and stealing their property going on the if you if you heard, if you if you read history about the serfs and or and serfdom and so on and what happened in and how they went on the land and stole the other people and so on and so forth and the and the violence that took place and then one group ruled the day and then the other group who they run who they ran off their land through who they chased off their land through violence now have to come back and work for them such as so, um so, uh such as in the 14th century where serfdom was replaced by the wealthy free peasant who became the feudal lord and you can see Karl Marx das Kapital volume 
and we have as i said we have an article um in the nearlyball.com and you can refer to the article for the links You can read Karl Marx, That's Capital. I won't get into it in this particular podcast because we're talking about Carrie Herring and his actions, but we're putting it into perspective. But Karl Marx talked about that. He referred to how classes and people through violence accumulate capital by going on the land of another group and stealing their property. However, Karl Marx never had to apologize for this theory because that, is, that was an unpopular, uh, 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 that's an unpopular position. That's an unpopular principle. And there are Marxists, people, and people who promote Marxism and cap and Marxism, they are seen as un- they are unpopular people who are seen as terrorists. And and the Marxists aren't terrorists, just so you know, okay. But but they never had to apologize. Karl Marx never had to apologize for his theory. We were told that Obama was born in Africa, which was a lie. But where was the apology? On January 6th, a group of a group of insurrectionists, a group of insurrectionists incited an insurrection against the capital. An act of terrorism. Yet they are still in power. Some of the people who inser- or, or, organize it, they are still in power or planning on running for office again. Yet this black man cannot have an unpopular opinion without a backlash even from his own peers trying to appease the status quo that you know if that is what is at issue for for Kyrie Irving it's not just that he put fine it's not that he posted something which has an unpopular idea but the fact that he has to apologize for an unpopular idea on his personal private page okay and other persons have done worse and don't have to do that don't have to they don't have to apologize which suggests there is a, a, a difference of exp- a difference of how we treat people when they some people can um, uh, uh, we talk about freedom of speech speech is free freedom of expression is free but only for some only some people are free to say what they can say uh, can say things without apology only certain people can say things without apology even and I'm talking about even if it's a mistake, only certain people. And he said, he's saying, I am not anti-Semitic. I happen to post something which I found to be quite interesting, or quite an interesting idea, interesting, something for us to think about. But he's been castigated and lambasted of being anti-Semitic because of an opinion he shared about history as a, because he is doing critical history. That was critical history, de- uh, deconstructivist history. Oh, okay. Deconstructivist history, deconstruct history. It looks at history, revisits history, and it studies history to look at what has happened in history. And there are many things that that we have glossed over, that we take for granted, that when you go back and you look at it, it's things to, to, to think about. But he's been lambasting. He says, "I have to, I have to do, I have to apologize for something that I posted, which caused some hurt." Which, but other people never had to. That's what he, he, he never said it in so many words. But that is what he is alluding to. You know, in retrospect, though, in retrospect, in retrospect, some time ago, and uh, I actually saw an article that I, I I had posted some time ago. And if I could find it, um, and if I I'll read it, and I realized that I did not 
I, I did not have it posted up for you guys, and I'm gonna see. I'm gonna try and find. I actually have it here for you. It's called um, Ky, stu, studying Kyrie Irving as the vilification of Black resistance. Studying Kyrie Irving as the vilification of Black resistance, and in that article, and you can understand. I am saying to you, Kyrie Irving is not going to offer an apology. Any more apology than what he just if he can hold out on COVID, he can hold out on this. And I said, in the, I said one of my research topics is on Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is the embodiment and vilification of his topics, realization of individualism and the new black people resistance. Again, I'm going to say this again. I'm doing a doctoral dissertation on neoliberalism, power, privilege, and racism. One of my research topics is on Kyrie Irving. Carrie Irving is the embodiment and vilification, vilification of his doppies, realization of individualism and the new black people's resistance. I'd like to study the, the brother using ethnographic research methods. Now, recently, I said some time ago, and it was, uh, how long ago was this? I wrote this article. October? To, oh, this was in October. October 13th. Oh, no, I just reposted it. No, actually, it was October I wrote. I said recently, Carrie stated that he will not get vaccinated, which was which has caused the Brooklyn Nets to deny his ability to play in the upcoming NBA season. I think probably that was a year ago. You know. Kyrie is one of the best players in the NBA, and it can be said that Brooklyn Nets cannot win without him. Stephen A., on his radio show, First Take, has raged against um, Kyrie as being this stupid and selfish. Yet Kyrie has argued that he is being the voice for the voiceless. You know, I thought about it carefully and came to the realization that Carrie is embodying what black scholars are writing about now. Barry and Hilde and other black historians. Barry and Hilde and other black historians and academics have written a number of recent books that reimagine black people as a way to reinvent black humanity. We see resistance as resilience through slavery and beyond. The ways in which black people have resisted their enslavement have evolved, evolved from the 1600s to now. And we can study various slaves' accounts leading up to their descendants to today, such as Kyrie Irving, and see the patterns of resistance, but notice the changing dynamic of this resistance. I said in that article some time ago that this recent NBA news regarding Kyrie's defiance is, is worth exploring. And I have tweeted in response to the pundit's denouncement of Kyrie, saying you cannot say that the organization had requirements. When Kyrie Irving signed, I mean, actually, I, won't, I don't need to say anything else about that. Um, but I said to understand Kyrie's decision, one must understand that Kyrie Irving is anti-institutional. He believes in individual rights and to get vaccinated betrays that individualism and, and masculinity that has been denied by his people or from his people. And I respect his decision when, okay, and, um, and I have actually written further, further in LinkedIn an article entitled Reinventing and Reimagining the Black Image. And in that article, in that article, I said that, I said, which was written on, and, and I also wrote written in the, in the neoliberal commentary, I said that 
recently NYC mayor announced the rolling back of the NYC vaccine mandate and with that this paved the way for Kyrie Irving and unvaccinated players to be able to play at home. According to Stephen A. Smith, sports commentator and host of First Day, he said, I'm very happy for that Kyrie will be back in the court, but he's no hero. I mean, it's, it's so I, I am, um, we are against anti-Semitism here. We are against racism. In fact, we have posted an article saying that race is a pseudoscience, believing that we are all one people, we are all one race. But some time ago, I had actually, uh, some time ago, I wrote an article and it was entitled Reinventing and Reimagining the Black Image. If we were to put this in, put Kyrie's behavior into perspective. And I said in the article, recently, NYC mayor announced the rolling back of the New York City vaccine mandate. This paved the way for Kyrie Irving and unvaccinated players to be able to play at home. According to Stephen E. Smith, sports commentator and host of First Take on ESPN, and I quote, I'm very happy Kyrie will be on the basketball court, but he's no hero. And I have a copy of the video, and this particular discussion will be available in the nailable.com. But um, this is this is what Kyrie, this is what Stephen Smith said had said. what he says uh the bill de blasio administration is no longer in office mayor adams is and it should not have taken this long because the second that fans were allowed to come into the arena uh unvaccinated and even the player himself could come and sit in the stands unvaccinated then Kyrie Irving should have been allowed to play particularly when visitors could come to the Barclays Center as mayor adams just articulated and they could perform it didn't need to take this long um, and as far as I'm concerned, it was a dereliction of duty up to this point that that it wasn't that it wasn't changed. Having said that, I also don't want to give uh, the NBA a pass. The reality of the situation is the best interest of the game is a clause that could have been used to mandate that folks be vaccinated. It's not a right to play in the NBA. It's a privilege. It's your league. And you have the right to invoke and implement what rules you want to. I know the Players Association was giving you resistance, although they both were supportive of players being vaccinated, although they didn't want it to be an enforceable matter. But maybe that's something that's going to be revisited with their next collective bargaining negotiations because it should not have come to this point. With all of that being said, we all benefit. Basketball lovers everywhere. Because Kyrie Irving needs to be on the basketball court. Even though this had a lot to do because of baseball with the Aaron Judges of the world and the Rizzos of the world and the Yankees because their brand is much bigger than the Brooklyn Nets. The bottom line is as basketball fans, basketball lovers, we benefit from witnessing the greatness of Kyrie Irving. He is no hero. He is no heroine. Um, He put himself above the team, which is entirely his right. And it's understandable because we're talking about injecting something into your body, which we all understand. But at the end of the day, that don't make him no damn hero. 
That was uh, that was Stephen A. Smith some time ago. So I actually responded by saying, by um, by saying this is a continuation of a previous article submitted and published in the neoliberal commentary on March 21, 2022, entitled "Reimagining Peoples Within Critical Race Theory: Not Thinking Race and Moving Away from a Victim to a Hero Approach." Therefore, we must begin this article with a preface underscoring the importance of the topic or the long title. It contains two statements that speaks to the main title of reinventing and reimagining the black and brown peoples, or what we know as nigger. The statements are actual statements which provides color to our study of privilege, power, position, and status, and the dynamics of human relationships within an evolving society. The two statements captioned above, or that we have just mentioned in that we have just mentioned were made by two separate individuals at different times. It is important to point out the distinction here between the two statements as we delve into the topic, for this will provide some more context and color to the discussions. They provide an image of the binaries that exist in a racialized society, or one that is still trying to deal with unresolved issues of the past related to its racial past. So first there is Stephen A. Smith via ESPN show. First take, Stephen A. Smith who identifies as black said of Kyrie Irving, he is no hero. Saying he is selfish and don't care or he doesn't give a damn about anything. Then there is a Caucasian lady, Gina, on the streets who referred to a behavior exhibited by a white young man as demonstrating nigger behavior and say niggers don't give a damn or don't care. So, hence the topic, reimagining and reinventing the black image. And as we think about Kyrie Irving, this is very important. Now, I had said that Kyrie Irving was the vilification, the vilification of his duppies, of his past, who through passive or active resistance, they worked to realize their internal value and assert some sense of individuality or masculinity or motherhood that they were not allowed to have. Their life was valuable only as livestock and at times had to do the extreme to maintain their sense of family lineage and individuality and all that comes with it. Therefore, when you see Kyrie Irving existing or exhibiting that resistance and defiance against taking the vaccine, or, or apologizing in this sense for being anti-Semitic. But of course, he's saying that I am not being anti-Semitic. You will not define me as you did my past. You will not define me and my behavior as you did my past. Yet other people are allowed to do things without apology, worse things. But, you, but I must apologize for something that I'm not. I'm not anti-Semitic. I happen to make a mistake in posting something that contained anti-Semitic to- over- overtures. And I'm being asked to apologize. And it's a, and first of all, and then he alluded to the fact that it is my personal page. It is my personal Twitter page. That's the beauty, the beauty about social media. If you don't like, if you don't like what I'm saying, unfollow me. <laughs> Filter me out. But it speaks to the whole issue of free speech, not hate speech. She wasn't promoting hate. It was promote. He actually posted something that contained some particular language. And of course, there are those who said, okay, what is, what is it to be anti-Semitic? 
and for the and for some and I heard recently by some pundits that for anti-Semitism, anti-Semitic behavior overtures or overtones or language is anything that those who believe that those who believe it uh, whatever you believe that is anti-Semitic those who believe those who are Jewish and believe that some kind of discrimination um, the converse might be said of those people who are African Americans or people suffer some kind of discrimination then now we start to define things loosely in order to score points but whatever the case is what 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 let as we continue to put this into perspective as we think about his position on the vaccine and now his position here when you see Kyrie Irving exhibiting that resistance and defiance against taking the vaccine, that is a victory for him and people who historically were not allowed to resist or to demonstrate individualism or authority. In, a, in, in addition, science was a useful tool used to maintain and to justify black and brown people's treatment as slaves and lack of the individual or the human and all that comes with it. But here he is, Kyrie able to punctuate that authority and that is a victory and provides catharsis and realizes real and continued freedom so if that's what a hero is then surely i said carry is that is what counts for working towards healing and dealing with unresolved issues of the past which continues to dog humanity and society for we have continued to promote race through various conditioning applications in our society as such, if society should continue to promote this pseudoscience idea of race which connects to an unforgivable and painful past, why wouldn't Kyrie not want to resist taking the vaccine? Why would he not want to resist apologizing for something that society and the, the status quo, he believes are the status quo, who have always controlled and forced people to do things, for, his people to do things, to do things. For him, that's a victory. He, he will not. I'm telling you, just as how he held out against getting the vaccine until now he's able to play again. I do not, I do not believe that we're going to get any more, anything else from, um, from Carrie. If, and, and I understand that he's supposed to be sitting with, uh, sitting, uh, the commissioner, Adam Silver, uh, re- responded to the statement that he had put out and the press conference saying that he did not um, provide an unqualified apology and he will be meeting with him. So what's going to come next? Some more penalties? Maybe you'll have to sit out and I'm quite sure knowing who Kyrie Irving is, as I said, he's the vilification of his black duppies. His resistance for some people is hero. Although Stephen H. Smith don't think he's a, doesn't think he's a hero, but for Kyrie Irving, he's a hero. And he himself is going through a lot as he talks about his past and his people. But this brings me to an experience I had recently that I must share with you. The University of Pennsylvania, Black Alumni Society, Penn Black Alumni Society, University of Pennsylvania has banned or removed me from their Facebook page. For what reasons, I do not know. But this, is a, this has occurred since I posted in their Facebook group that race is a pseudoscience. Stop thinking race. So I can't be black skinned and have an opinion that goes against the idea of blackness as if that disqualifies me from the group. But I have said that while we should stop thinking race, we should work together to heal those who still suffer from its painful past. We should still help, work together to help those to heal who still suffer from its painful past. As a result, I have to now join the Penn Alumni Society of New York, although I reside in Philadelphia. And if the Penn Alumni Black Society removed me from that, um, remove that comment it brings me to another exchange 
I had with a participant in a group I was moderating recently, where he said, and I believed I had mentioned this on in another episode. I said, I mean, there are absolutely neoliberals out there. Actually, this person, somebody said this. I mean, there are absolutely neoliberals out there who follow that line of political thought. I just happen to think. Those are some of the dumbest fake smart guys around. And I replied laughing out loud and beginning and beginning by asking the question, what's in a name? Kohito Irgusam. Your reality is your reality. But don't impose an idea discovered in your reality. Discovered in your reality. Only provide a perspective for common understanding and connection. For what is the ultimate of all things? Is it that we become one with reality in all of our individuality? A man said once, you label me, you negate me. Maybe you should begin by asking what's in a name, for names can be misleading. Indeed, we continue to see where people in society cannot move beyond labels and connect with people on a deeper level. For there is a reality that is not discovered about anyone or anything without first getting at the metaphysical levels or unless communication takes place. Effective communication, which is to make popular what was the monopoly. You see, I can be a neoliberal, but that doesn't mean I am the dumbest fake neoliberal. For then the critique is now based in human prejudice and ethnocentrism, privileging a value and position and using that to judge the other. My position in neoliberalism and the neoliberal is unique and by and by seeing a name the neoliberal doesn't speak too too much but it is deliberately selected so as to mislead for people for people think in certain ways and we are unearthing that and then moving to dispel that so the name is quite appropriate here the use of neoliberal suggests our efforts of studying it as a strategy of power in human dynamics and relationships as a new kind of economic system that fuels globalization and rapid transnationalism and multinationalism, global north and global south dynamics, the bureaucratic phenomenon as uh, mentioned by Michael Crozier. Let us now revisit the statements made by Stephen A. Smith about Kyrie's behavior of resistance and defiance and then juxtapose that with the statement made by the white lady about another person's defiance and resistance. Kyrie is black and Billy is white. Yet both were accused of being selfish and I don't care. Yet Stephen A. Smith, a black commentary, described Kyrie as being no hero, while Gina Gina described Billy as being a nigger. So the question is, what does this tell us about how people view negative or defiant behaviors based on race? Stephen A. used a positive negative, while Samantha, sorry, or Gina, used a negative negative. Listen to this. He said, Stephen, I'm very happy Kyrie will be on the basketball court, but he's no hero. Listen to the other lady. The other lady. Gina. You know Billy Janica, he don't give a damn. He uses she uses an expletive, but I won't use, I won't repeat that. Now I had shared an actual encounter 
where someone had made those statements. And this is relevant to the article here within the wider discussion of re- on reimagining and reinventing peoples. I was walking down True Avenue in Germantown, Philadelphia, and I happened to come upon a white lady who was ahead of me and taking and, and talking on her cell phone. As I came closer towards her, I overheard her, con- I overheard her conversation, and she seemed to be talking and explaining about someone to another person on the phone. I continued on and came within feet, and without her noticing me, and I heard her saying, "You know, Billy is a is a nigger. He don't give a sh or a damn about nothing." I was walking quickly than her, so by now she heard me and then paused. As I came by her, phone still held in hand and pressed up against her ear, the lady paused and didn't say another word. As I eventually walked by her, now gaining some distance ahead of her and eventually losing her. Now, soon after, and within minutes, my mind started buzzing with ideas and thoughts, having heard such conversation and the word nigger from this white lady. I began to, I began to think to myself, is that how some people think about black people? Even to this day, that they are niggers or niggers who don't give a damn or a sh. Now, I don't know whether Billy was black or white. I had assumed from inductive reasoning that Gino, who is a white lady, and um, and Billy was probably white by association, which may be interpreted as a logical fallacy as I'm committing a pseudo-appeal to association. Further, I asserted from deductive reasoning that Billy, to many in Philadelphia, is a white name, as most persons with that name is white. But I do not want to make the same mistake as her, using bad syllogism to come to a conclusion about a certain set of people. Nevertheless, whether or not Billy was black or white, per, was a black or white person, is not the issue or at issue here. The bone of contention here and the problem was that this Gina, that this Gina seemed to be suggesting that a nigger is someone or something who or that does not give a damn or a sh whatever about anything and uses the cursed word nigger, a word that Caucasian invented to define and describe black people as good for nothing, debased and scums, anything that is negative, dirty, disgusting, or subhuman and lowly. Moreover, the problem becomes more evident because she is a Caucasian person who is describing another person as someone who don't give a SHIT as a nigger, a word that is racialized, a racialized word created to shame black people which white persons don't use unless in secret in America. This is so because such words and language are the, are the basis that leads to the practice of discriminating against blacks and justifying that discrimination. Further, this may suggest that despite the advances in society and the history of debasing blacks and our efforts to root out this discrimination and treatment, some people are still secretly and publicly debasing blacks and using words that have historically defined blacks as debased in their conversations with others today to describe blacks and or to define and describe something dark, evil, or whatever they and and I use a and so on and so forth. Another example, Rogaine, who is a social media conservative commentator who consistently uses the word, who had consistently used the word nigger on his podcast. And, and he even went as far as saying to his accepting friends, it's like 
Planet of the Apes in here when he was describing a situation where he and his friends went and there were lots of black people present. There is now a controversy surrounding this which has led to him issuing an apology after this was finally exposed or brought to light in the public. We continue to see de jour and de facto ways today that maintains a status quo that discriminates against black people. In private, we may not see people's true stance on race until exposed. As such, the conclusion is still that we have ways to go as we try to break free from a history of discriminating against not just black, against black people, but other types of people, Jewish people, so on and so forth. And it starts with changing our language as well as reimagining black people. It's not as race, but as pure and untainted by dark words. Reimagining black people is not as a race, but as pure and untainted by dark words. It begins by nullifying the use of adjectives that is equivalent to words used to denigrate and downgrade black people in everyday, causal, people's conversations. We are already recognizing this in your attempt to do so. Black academics and scholars are now putting out books that try to reimagine our history and reinvent black people by lifting up words and actions from the past that speaks to the indomitable black men and resources and resourceful black women and using words that will stick as against underscoring a history of negative words that blames and weakens the victim and always empower the white man. In a sense, these new writers are trying to promote a black image that is resistant to, resistant to discrimination from exploring and exposing a history and language that becomes the new norm. On the other hand, I reflected some more about Gina and her assertions in her statement about Billy being a nigger who doesn't give a damn. I said, you know, maybe she is right that Billy doesn't give a damn. I thought... However, for a white person to use a word that has historically that has historically used that was historically used by their race to denigrate black people was ominous. Why do I say ominous? For the reason that the white lady in my story above seemed to be suggesting that while Billy is white, he doesn't act white, he acts like a nigger. Which is a derogatory word used to describe black people. In my estimation, this lady seem to have accepted the discriminatory belief that white is pure and privileged and does not display negative black tendencies and if any white person does display such they are black or niggers therefore the cycle of status and privilege continues here where some human beings who think in terms of race position and categories would prejudice one thing over another and this de jour behavior then becomes concretized in words and language that even after the abolishment and illegality of their usage, the word still you continues to today so as to maintain the status quo and discrimination of certain human beings. This is due to strategy that utilizes language, words and speech in society to fuel a societal structure where class, status, racism, privilege and position and entitlements can thrive irrespective of change or some civil rights that is accorded. However, some black people even describe other blacks as niggas, meaning that those black people don't give a damn and don't care or debase our hood. Some black people accept the term nigger. Oh.
and I said that this and I said that this is a continuation of a previous article submitted on March 21, 2022 entitled Reimagining Peoples Within Critical Race Theory. Not thinking race and moving away from a victim to a hero approach. And I have said much. But what I have said is this that Kyrie Irving, in a sense, in a sense, is the vilification of his duppies, who through passive or active resistance they worked to realize their internal value and assert some sense of individuality or masculinity or motherhood that they were not allowed to have. Their life was valuable only as livestock and at times had to do the extreme to maintain their sense of family lineage and individuality. And all that comes with it. Therefore, when you see Kyrie Irving exhibiting that resistance and defiance against taking the vaccine or apologizing for causing hurt with Jesus, that is a victory for him and people who historically were not allowed to resist or to demonstrate individualism or authority. In addition, science was a useful tool used to maintain and to justify black or brown people's treatment as slaves and lack, the, and lack of the individual or the human and all that comes with it. But here he is, Kyrie, able to punctuate that authority. And that is a victory and provides catharsis and realizes real and continued freedom. So if that's what a hero is, then surely Kyrie is. That is what comes for working towards healing and dealing with unresolved issues of the past, which continues to dog humanity and society. For we have continued to promote race through various conditioning, applications in our society. And as such, if society should continue to promote this pseudoscience idea of race, which connects to an unforgivable and painful past, why wouldn't Kyrie not want to resist and to demonstrate this resistance? I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna close by, I'm gonna close my comments by saying this, and I'm gonna have a wider discussion in an article on thenewlyball.com, and you can look for that later on this week, where I will publish a barrage of articles dealing with several issues that we've discussed on this show. Be- but this, what we're, but this particular issue is part of a, uh, uh, a wider discussion, a wider discussion. This, this particular discussion. We are having about power, privilege, position and status and the challenges these, these continue to pose for society, especially when we look at strategy within power dynamics of society or society. We will continue to discuss this. Um, just remember that I am the author of Neoliberalism, Globalization, Income Inequality, Poverty and Resistance. Get your copy today. Go on the website, neoliberal.com. It's fresh, it's new and improved. You can, you can check out all the ways you can get a copy of that book. And my second, the second book is coming out soon, Neoliberalism Reconsidered. This is the Neoliberal Run Podcast. Subscribe to the show and donate to us as well at anchor.fm slash the neoliberal slash support. And we are now available on the Audible, as well as Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anchor.fm. Podvine, and many other streams. This is the Neoliberal Round, brought to you by the Neoliberal Corporation, serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges. What good?